Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. It's Friday, August 18th, 2023. Today, as we do each week, we check in with Publishers Weekly on news from the world of books and publishing. Andrew Albanese, PW Senior Writer, joins me today from New York City. Welcome back to the program, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. A federal court, Andrew, has approved a consent judgment in the long-running copyright infringement case filed by four publishers against the Internet Archive over its scanning and lending of library books. The consent judgment provides for a stipulated permanent injunction preventing the Internet Archive from offering unauthorized copies of the plaintiff's books to the global public and comes four months after a judge, John Codal, found the archive was liable for copyright infringement. But as you note in your reporting we may not yet have a final resolution. Yeah, so a pretty major development in the case, and a case we've been talking about since 2020. It's hard to believe it's been three years already. Uh, Judge John G. Codal last Friday signed off on a negotiated judgment between four plaintiff publishers organized by the Association of American Publishers and the Internet Archive, this over its long-running program to scan old library books and lend them under a novel protocol known as controlled digital lending. But I really do think the headline here is that in delivering a negotiated judgment for the court to sign off on, the Internet Archive, actually both parties, benefit because they avoid all the time and expense and uncertainty of a damages trial. And this case now gets more swiftly to the appeals court, to the Second Circuit Court of Appeals. And this, of course, is one of those cases that was ultimately going to be decided in the appeals courts, possibly the Supreme Court, no matter who prevailed at the district level. And, of course, Internet Archive officials in the statement have vowed to fight this case to the very end. So short take on all this. The headline here is that this negotiated judgment means that the appeals phase of this case can get underway sooner rather than later. Tell us more about the consent judgment, Andrew, and your analysis for what it means. Sure. So first off, there's a declaration in this judgment that is pretty important to the plaintiff publishers, right? It basically cements what Judge Kotal found in his March 24th summary judgment, that the the scanning and lending of the 127 books picked for the suit constitutes copyright infringement, both in terms of the IA's regular activities through its open library initiative and in terms of its now discontinued national emergency library, which our users will recall existed for a couple of months in the early days of the pandemic when the IA uh, allowed its collection of scans to be checked out and used by multiple users because schools and libraries were shuttered. Um, I think this declaration may be the most important thing to the publishers because it tells the world, look, you just can't do this. Um, The meat of the judgment, I think, is its permanent injunction. Now, the 127 works that were used as examples in the suit are already taken down, so that was really not the issue here. But what the injunction does require is that all of the plaintiff publishers' commercially available books that also have ebook versions must now be taken down pretty much immediately after the plaintiff publishers deliver to the Internet Archive a machine-readable list of those titles. And the IA, no doubt, will have to be pretty vigilant in the future about copyrighted works in its open library, too, uh, lest lest it find itself back in court. Uh, And there's also a side agreement here that the AAP negotiated with with the IA that apparently will help other publishers who are not plaintiffs, other AAP members, also work to similarly get their works taken down from the Internet Archive. Now, there was one lingering dispute in approving this final injunction. And that's that the publishers wanted the injunction to cover all their commercially available books, 
while the IA argued that this case was only about commercially available books where ebook editions also existed. And in the end, the court sided with the IA, noting that this case, as it was heard by design, only involved books with ebook editions available. And that whether a digital edition was available was actually relevant to the court's fair use analysis. So to keep the injunction narrowly tailored, uh, the injunction by law uh, must be limited to what's litigated. Now, is that a big deal? AAP officials say not really. Uh, most of the plaintiff's ebooks do have ebook editions available. And copyright law is clear enough, as is the court's ruling, that if you know they have to go to court again to see to get something else taken down, they can do it. But we'll see exactly how meaningful this is all going to be going forward. Uh, and finally, there's also a monetary payment that's involved here, and that is confidential. But what we know is that the AAP said that the payment is enough to quote, substantially cover the publisher's, quote, significant legal costs, substantially, but not necessarily entirely. Uh, and that payment, we should know, is all-inclusive. It covers fees and costs and damages. You know, it's one and done. And that tells us a few more things. For one, I think that should assuage fears that a massive damage award here was going to end the Internet Archive's work. And that's not going to happen at this point, at least not from the publishers. And the payment is contingent upon the publishers prevailing through the appeals process, which is when the payment could be made. So the money is probably not likely to come for many months, perhaps years, if the appeals process drags out. And it's possible that the money won't come at all if somehow this case is reversed on appeal. So at this point, Andrew, with the consent agreement in place, how do you think the parties have fared so far? So I think there's going to be a lot more said about the litigation and this judgment in the coming weeks and months, especially as the appeals process unfolds. But for now, from the publisher side, I think the publishers got what they really wanted here, which is a strong ruling about the rights of copyright holders uh, that could really play well, not only in terms of limiting the scope of other mass digitization efforts, but it also puts another dagger, I think, into the digital for sale debate that's been going on. And it could possibly help in future battles over AI. You know, we'll see what happens on appeal with all this. Uh, but certainly, I think Judge Kodal delivered an emphatic opinion. And, you know, there was a lot of tough talk about damages and shutting down the Internet Archive. And in the end, uh, I think that was all just tough talk. I think the publishers really were only really looking for what they got here, which is a really strong declaration in support of the rights of copyright holders. And for the Internet Archive, given all the tough talk, I feel like they really kind of did dodge a bullet here, right? The injunction, as we discussed, is pretty narrow. Uh, and I'll point out you know, two notable points of contention that were not addressed in the judgment. That's whether or not the IA is a library. That was something that I think many of us thought was going to be addressed in the, in the litigation and in the judgment, and it ended up not being there in the final analysis. And also, the scans are not going to be destroyed. You know, that's something the publishers had mentioned in their initial complaint. But really, the scans, I don't think, were ever really at risk because there clearly are lawful uses for them, whether it's search or uh, making scans available to the print disabled. And I don't really think the publishers ever intended to pursue this remedy of destroying books. And in fact, I think they probably uh, wish they hadn't put it in there because it ended up giving the Internet Archive a lot of public sympathy. So the IA can keep its scans. It can use them within the bounds of the law including some exceptions that are actually expressly pointed out in the agreement. For example, as I mentioned, the print disabled, and uh, it would also allow links to excerpts of these books that's used by Wikipedia, for example, where the, uh, the Internet Archive has been useful in fleshing out footnotes that cite books. So all in all, 
I think the archive did about as well as could be expected, given the really emphatic ruling delivered by Judge Kodal on the copyright question. But we'll have to see what comes next, because uh, the jury is still out here. Well, figuratively, the jury is out here, of course, uh, because the appeals process will now get underway soon, and the appeals courts will almost certainly have something to say. In Austin, Texas, a federal judge is set to hear oral arguments on a motion to block a controversial new law from taking effect, Andrew. HB 900 would require vendors in the state to rate books for sexual conduct that would be eligible for sale in Texas schools, and it would entirely ban books that are rated to be sexually explicit, though that's still not clear what that means. Yeah, and that's really a key point in the move to block the law. A suit brought by a coalition of booksellers and publishers and authors say that the law is unconstitutionally vague. Uh, And not only is the law too vague to be constitutional, it's unconstitutional because it pushes the burden of monitoring this, you know, speech onto private actors, right? Book vendors who must now bear the cost of reading these books, which, by the way, the state can then come back and change for any reason without transparency or without any appeal process or recourse. So essentially, that's uh, uh, an imposing a state standard. Uh, specifically, the law was signed by Texas Governor Greg Abbott on June 12th. It requires book vendors who wish to do business with Texas schools to review every book, including books that they've already previously sold into schools and new books. And they have to rate them as either being sexually explicit if the book includes material that would be, and I'll quote the the law here, patently offensive by community standards or sexually relevant. And that's if the book portrays any kind of sexual conduct. Again, we don't know what exactly that means. Is it holding hands? Is that sexual conduct? What is it? Under the law, books rated sexually explicit would now be banned in Texas schools The students would be able to access books rated as sexually relevant, but only with written parental consent. Uh, So we have coverage of the hearing on on the PW site, and I think the publishers are feeling pretty good about their bid to enjoin the law, but they're nervous because anything can happen when you're in court. Uh, The case is before federal judge Alan D. Albright, who's a Trump appointee, and the clock is ticking. Uh, The law is set to take effect on September 1. So Albright will have to decide this matter fairly quickly or else the law will end up going into place. And here's the other thing, too. Sources tell me that a number of other states have similar laws teed up, book rating laws. Uh, Missouri, for example, is one. And if this law is not immediately enjoined in Texas, it's going to be off to the races in a handful of other states as well. So stay tuned. I actually think this is one of the more important legal decisions in recent publishing history. And I don't think I'm exaggerating by saying that. Because if this law is allowed to take effect, it's going to have a really massive impact on what can be sold in Texas schools, how it must be sold, and of course, what can be read. Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly Senior Writer, thanks for joining me on the program with your reporting and editorial analysis. My pleasure, as always. Coming up on the program... On Monday, September 18th at the University of Leiden in the Netherlands, CCC, in partnership with the Go Fair Foundation, will host its inaugural Fair Forum on the evolving role of data in the AI era. Molecular biologist Barrand Mons is responsible for groundbreaking research on malaria parasites. He became involved with creating the Fair Data Principles in 2014 and is a leading advocate for their adoption. In a CCC town hall program this spring, he told me why he committed himself to this ambitious effort. There's no way to work without machines, and that's why I need fair data for my own research, 
But I also became an advocate because I think it can change the face of science and the whole way we do open science fundamentally, which is needed. The evolving role of data in the AI era. Next on Velocity of Content. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burris Marketing. You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for listening. Thank you.